The scripture reading for today is from the book of Psalms, Psalm 6. O Lord, do not rebuke me in your anger or discipline me in your wrath. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am languishing. O Lord, heal me, for my bones are shaking with terror. My soul is, is also is struck with terror. While you, O Lord, how long? Turn, O Lord, save my life. Deliver me for the sake of your steadfast love. For in death there is no remembrance of you. In Sheol, who can give you praise? I am weary with my moaning. Every night I flood my bed with tears. I drench my couch with my weeping. My eyes waste away because of grief. They grow weak because of all of my foes. Depart from me, all you workers of evil, for the Lord has heard the sound of my weeping. The Lord has heard my supplications. The Lord accepts my prayer. All my enemies shall be ashamed and struck with terror, and they shall turn back and in a moment be put to shame. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thank you, Elaine. As we prepare to work through the message together, I invite you to make sure that you have one of these. As you came in, if you did not pick one up, you're going to need one today and a marker as well. So this would be a good time to go get one. Um, maybe I could get some help with that in the back there. Hey, Guillermo, could you help me make sure that everybody has one of these? You might want to check the front when you check in every Sunday because there's probably going to be something there for you to use during the sermon. We also have the link available to you online. Laura, you have already dropped it. So if you have trouble accessing that, let Laura know as we are moving into our second week of praying the Psalms. And we turn to the Psalm of Lament. I'm going to give everybody just a minute to get settled. Be patient with us as you are online with us today. It's a new process, a learning process for us as we all get what we need. <laughs> and as you are doing so, maybe you can think about that acrostic poem that you wrote last week, that, that psalm of praise that we, we took into ourselves, into our hearts, and we thought about all the wonderful ways that God is good to us and the awe that we have for that. And now we are turning to the psalm of lament and a psalm of grief that has something to teach us as well. So let's take a deep breath. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, 
May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight this morning, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Eliana was ready. He's my co-preacher. So if you hear the sweet sounds of a 10-month-old, we give praise for that. And he, he has some commentary for us as we, as we move through the sermon. At the completion of my third semester of college, I chose not to enroll for the next session. I withdrew from the university completely and moved back in with my parents. I was 19 years old. My parents, friends, and even my friends couldn't believe my decision. I had been the valedictorian of my high school class, voted most likely to succeed. I was maintaining a 4.0 grade point average at Texas A&M University. I had made friends there. I liked the city and all seemed to be well, but all was not what it seemed. And I couldn't really tell you why it was easy to blame some factors in my life, such as changes in the program at school, the death of a loved one, the distance from my family. But the truth is, something beyond those details, something at my very core was wrong, and I could not yet name it. Naming the human condition is one of the greatest features about the book of Psalms in our holy text. And we could take Psalm 6, which Elaine just read for us, as a good example. We don't know exactly what the writer, most likely King David, was going through at the moment, but we do know how he felt about it. Some people speculate that David was writing about the scandal of his affair with Bathsheba. Others say he was processing the violent rebellion from his son, Absalom. Still others say that he was suffering from a literal bone disease. Maybe it was all of these situations. Maybe it was none of them. More important than the cause of David's sorrow is the depth of it. This passage is difficult to read in parts, at least for me, but it's also relatable, as are many of the Psalms. That's why we are taking six weeks to examine several different types of these sacred poems that we find in our holy text. And remember, when we talk about the Psalms, we're actually talking about five books within a larger book, five books of 150 sacred hymns that were written over a period of 500 years by eight different people at least. And yet in the Psalms, we find a unified voice, the voice of the people. And last week, we began our journey to study the five different types with the Psalm of Praise. We took a look at Psalm 145, which praises God simply for who God is, for all of the wonderful attributes of God, the reasons that we stand in awe of God. Today, in our continued journey of finding community in the Psalms, we're moving from awe to grief as we take a closer look at Psalm 6, which is a psalm of lament. Lament is one of those words that can function as a noun or as a verb, and as such, lament describes the act of mourning, a great loss, and also the expression of that loss in and of itself. 
In the case of Psalm 6, King David is lamenting a deep personal loss that undoubtedly affected his family and his kingdom. And again, we don't really know the exact reason for writing it, but we do know that in this lament, David expresses to God what is going on in his heart as he is consumed with anxiety and fear and perhaps even depression. The weight of his grief feels like a punishment. He cries out to God for relief. Do not rebuke me in your anger, he says in verse 1. Don't discipline me in your wrath. He describes himself in verses 2 through 7 as languishing and terrified, weary, weeping, hollow, and weak. The depth of despair is palpable as he proclaims, In death there is no remembrance of you. In Sheol, some people's description of hell, who can give you praise? Now, this is not a theological argument against an afterlife. It's the desperate cry of a person who feels utterly alone, completely abandoned, as if in a pit, a tomb of darkness and despair. In his moment of total grief, David could not see beyond his own circumstances. He obviously still had enough energy to turn to God in that very moment in time, but he was not sure for how long he could muster even up that much energy. So he literally asks, how long? How long? It's a classic refrain of human pain. How long? How long must we suffer? How long must the grief last? We want to know. And smart people who study the human brain and the human condition, they have for years been trying to give us some sort of understanding of how human grief works, at least in general. And as of right now, we tend to use seven widely accepted stages of grief based on the original five that came from the work of Elizabeth Kubler-Ross in the 1960s. So many of us know these stages, even if we couldn't name them without a little bit of help, we're familiar with them. What we're talking about here is shock and denial, pain and guilt, anger and bargaining, depression, the upward turn, reconstruction, and finally acceptance and hope. So let me just say here that the process and these stages, they're not linear. People process pain and loss in their own way, at their own pace. In our grief share program here at Morningstar, which is facilitated by Chris Fernandez, is a great option if you are going through the depths of grief right now. I encourage you to check that out. And our newly forming congregational care team can be helpful as well. We take grief seriously here in this community of faith because, again, though it's not linear, grief is a movement. It's a movement, a journey through despair into hope. And that's what we actually see in Psalm 6. David has been asking for graciousness and healing and salvation and deliverance all along. But we really find that turning point in verses 8 through 9. The Lord has heard the sound of my weeping. The Lord has heard my supplication, my request 
the Lord accepts my prayer. So at this point, at this point, David personifies the root cause of his grief as his foe, as his enemy. And he remembers that God is stronger than anyone or anything that can come after us, that comes at us. Depart, he says, for I have been heard. David is remembering in this moment as grief is swirling around in his heart and his mind and his soul, he's remembering God's pattern of behavior. We've talked about this before, but I'm going to say it again because this is something that I really want you to be able to internalize. Our God has a history time and time again of hearing the cries of the people, seeing our suffering, and being moved with compassion to do something to save us. Now remember, compassion is not pity. We can pity someone without ever lifting a finger to help. The word compassion literally means a movement of the bowels. It's a gut-wrenching reaction that propels us into action to do something to make a difference. That's what God does for us. And salvation... Salvation is another word for healing or wholeness. So we're not just talking about being saved in the afterlife. We're talking about being healed and whole in this life. We're talking about the process of healing, and that begins with acknowledging our grief. We're talking about lament. We cannot get to true hope without it. Not where grief is concerned. Hope without lament is wishful thinking. The act of lamenting allows us to root our hope in God's care for us and God's pattern of behavior and God's continued work in our lives on our behalf. And that's why lament begins with an address to God. In a true lament, we're not just crying out to avoid in the universe. We're sharing our pain with our creator. The next step in lament is offering a complaint, stating the case, airing the grievances, Naming the feelings. That complaint is followed by a confession, maybe a confession of fear or an acknowledgement of our own part in the mess. It usually includes a request, a petition of sorts. Laments also include words of assurance, the remembrance of God's power and God's faithfulness. And like the stages of grief, the steps of lament conclude with hope with at least the slightest movement away from total despair. So learning to pray the Psalms can teach us how to lament in healthy ways. So I'm inviting you to give that practice a try this week. That's what your paper is about or the link online. So you have some information about lament. There's even an example of how it works in Psalm 6, and you can begin to try that out. Right now we're going to take a few minutes as Christy plays for, for us, and we're going to write our own lament to God. And maybe you don't have a personal sorrow right now. That's okay. That's good. I'm glad. But I bet something is bothering you, even if it's simply the state of the world. Right? So we're going to take some time to begin a lament to God, and then we're going to come back together. I won't ask you to share, so don't worry about that. We're going to come back together and continue to move forward in our message. Thank you, Christy.
So some of you are probably just beginning or just beginning to think about how you can work through this process of lament, and I invite you to continue this practice throughout the week and also take a look at the back about praying the Psalms and consider praying Psalms 6 this week as well. These practices invite us to experience the movement of grief into hope that can happen in these situations in which the slightest improvement just does not even seem possible. And I'll leave this here as we talk. And that's how I felt when I moved back in with my parents. And after I had a, a little bit of time to breathe deeply and to sleep soundly and to eat good food in a place where I felt safe, I realized that my despair was being caused by a feeling of being adrift, being directionless, being purposeless, even though I had a lot to do. And I realized that I needed a break and a job that I could feel good about as I took some time to discern what I was really feeling called to do and where I could enroll to finish my degree. And so after processing my feelings and remembering God's faithfulness to me, I found enough hope to put in some applications and to answer a phone call to an unsolicited job offer that turned out to be really great. And that job put me on a path to healing, and it led me to applying to finish my degree and then um, to another job with that same company later, and then to the pursuit of a seminary degree and the ordination process in the United Methodist Church, which places me before you today. But the seeds of that hope were planted in some of the most dismal moments of my life. And that's the often misunderstood power of lament. Lament does not just end with hope. It begins with hope. It's what makes lament possible in the first place, a trust that God hears our weeping, hears our requests, accepts our prayers. This is the bottom line, and this is what King David knew. We can locate our own grief in a larger story of hope and healing precisely and only because of God's steadfast love for us. And that is really good news. Amen? Amen. Let us pray. I hope that you are checking your prayer emails for all of the concerns of our community. If you're not receiving that, let me know. This morning, I want to share a prayer of lament for our earth in honor of Earth Day. It comes from Brian McLaren. It was shared to me this morning, actually, by Sandy Clifford, and I'm really grateful for that because I was looking for something appropriate, and it came right to my text message. Let's take a deep breath. And let us pray. Let us weep for the world being broken apart by humans, foolish humans. Let us grieve the desecration of the forest and the stream, of glacier and ocean, and humans like us. Let us be mindful of the children being born today in a world torn apart. Let us show our children a more excellent way to walk on the earth and be human, truly human. Let us love this world we've been breaking apart and let our love bring wholeness. Let us love one another with a compassionate heart for it is love that makes us human. 
Let us weep for the world that we are breaking apart so that we can love it back to wholeness. Let our hearts be stretched by great sorrow and love so they will never contract to being less than human. I pray these things in the name of Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.